disruption zone. Opportunity lives where the status quo dies. Talking to the greatest innovators, disruptors, and off-the-wall inventors, we can scrounge up. You laugh, you'll learn, you'll be inspired. Now, here are your hosts, Leland Conway and Cameron Mills. All right, guys, this is a fun one. We're not going to have a solution to this problem, but we're working to identify the scope of it, right? And that is big tech. Big tech, what I think, what I am predicting is a merger of big tech, big government, and big business into one big sort of oligarchical thing that's going to rule our lives. We're going to talk with Adam Rizzieri. He is uh, the chief marketing officer uh, for a great organization out of Texas um, called the Agency Partner Interactive. And uh, he monitors what's going on with social media and with big tech overall. And there's this interesting fight that has broken out between Apple and, and Facebook. Apple wants to protect your privacy, so it's basically telling apps you got to let people opt in to sharing information. Facebook wants to violate your privacy in every possible way it can and then profit and plunder from it. And so they're coming to head here and they're having a fight. Um, and what does this mean? What does the fallout mean? And, and how, does, how do we as consumers actually fit into this whole thing? And the interesting thing is that the business model where we think we're the consumer, that, that the customer of Facebook, we're actually not. We're actually the product of Facebook. We're the product. Of Twitter, and we got to start thinking about this in totally different terms, so we can understand the scope of the problem. So, anyway, we'll get into this with Adam Rizzieri here on the podcast. Big, quick thanks to our sponsor, Louisville Cabinets and Countertops, guys. They did our kitchen, and they did our master bath, and they did a fantastic job. Um, I'm really confident. I've told you this before, but I mean it. Um, I'm really confident that the reason our house sold in like less than a day when we put it on the market was because of the beauty of the kitchen that Louisville Cabinets and Countertops had done. Um, I live in Colorado now, but if I still lived in Kentucky and I bought another house, I would be like Louisville cabinets and countertops has to do my kitchen. They're that good. And they did our master bathroom as well. And really super happy with it. They've got three designers on staff, George, Michelle, and Kelly, and they're standing by to talk to you about your dream kitchen. So whether you're looking for a turnkey kitchen remodel, or you're looking to be a do it yourselfer and pick up some really high quality, beautiful cabinets that you can pick up today that are affordable they've got those for you also if you're a contractor they can help you out with that as well just give them a call it's 502-930-3304 louisvillecabinetsandcountertops.com or stop by their showroom right on the oldham county louisville line 6200 hit lane so if you're in southern indiana louisville or oldham county these are your folks and a big thanks to them for sponsoring the podcast and making this show possible all right let's get into the conversation with adam rizzieri again he's chief marketing officer for uh the agency partner interactive out of texas and he is an expert on big tech so we're going to chat with him about this crazy fight between apple and facebook and how it affects you see fight which i think oh my gosh i think is interesting because um, neither one of them really protect our privacy that much. But of the two, I've always sided with Apple because it's better. I mean, I, I know a lot of people point back to people were kind of upset because they didn't open up the San Bernardino Terrace cell phone. But if you yeah, look at yeah. that with a broader perspective, what you have to realize is that once they have, once the government had a backdoor on that guy, bad as he was, 
they were going to have a backdoor on everybody. And just look at what they're Absolutely. doing to shut down dissent right now. Can you imagine? I mean, I fear that they've already got these tools and that Biden's going to use them. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, I mean, they probably do have these tools already, you know, and I think uh, somebody like Edward Snowden would obviously be the one of the people that would say, yeah, guys, they're definitely doing this. <laughs> but, you know, it, it's it's a strong concern. And I think it, it makes sense, though, why we're not really seeing Facebook kind of say, hey, guys, we should really be worried about user privacy because, you know, their business model really relies on their ability to track what we're doing from from app and website to app and website. What right. are we doing across these different platforms? And but but but, you know, Apple, though, they don't have to rely on necessarily the, the same kind of user data um, that Facebook and Google have to rely on uh, because they sell hardware. You know, they yeah. sell cool phones and computers and um, hard, you know, this hardware that makes our lives better and cooler and you know just sometimes a little more stressful also because we're always connected right, right. but yeah. um yeah yeah it's it's interesting though um recognizing how the social platforms kind of now sort of work together to stifle conversations yeah. and identify people that they don't like or you know just it's really um man it's 2021 <laughs> yeah. yeah let's give people a little background on this this fight between Apple and, and Facebook. Basically, Apple last June said that they were going to update their iOS so that it would bar apps from collecting ad targeting info, um, which is a string of numbers, in case anybody wants to know, called an ad identifier. It basically ties right. you to the phone that you're using to what you're looking at on the Internet. And Yeah, that's called the IDFA, right? The Identifier for Advertisers. Right. Is that that's what you're talking about. Right. And Facebook basically makes their living off of this. And so this is where these two are coming to heads with each other. But the problem is, I think people need to better understand um, what I think people need to better understand what the agreement between us and social media is. That agreement is we are the product. That's the bottom line. And I don't think social media is that clear on that to their users. Yeah, if you read through the 500-page privacy terms, you'll eventually put it together in legalese if you have a law degree. But the bottom line is, you're the product. They're selling you. You're you're not the customer. And this is one of the things that I think through all of this stuff about, um, you know, censorship on social media that's sort of gone missed, is it's worse than a consumer-provider relationship. We're actually kind of a third party between the interaction that's actually going on. Facebook is doing interactions with businesses who have purchased us from them. And the sooner people realize that that's the way this interaction works, because like people get mad at like, how come Facebook won't tell me why they banned me? Facebook doesn't have to. <laughs> you're not their customer. You're their product. And they've just decided you're not sellable right now. I mean, that's that's really what it is. And when you really think about it that way, it kind of it should change your perspective on social media, don't you think? I would think so, you know, and so now it's kind of interesting to see Apple saying, hey, listen, if you guys want these guys to be the product, you have to make sure that they know they're the product. You know, the the idea of opt-ins and opt-outs, you know, if you think back to email marketing, for example, you know, the Can Spam Act of 2003 is really what says, hey, you know what, commercial advertiser, you can't spam people. You can't send a bunch of junk to their inbox without them opting into your marketing communications. Right. So... But then, you know, but then case law followed the Can Spam Act and basically said with the uh, the FTC as sort of the, the enforcer basically said, 
you can't just assume an opt-in. You have to explicitly get the opt-in from people uh, before you can send the marketing communications. So now with Apple's update here with the, it's called ATT app transparency or app tracking transparency. ATT basically kind of does, I think what CanSpam case law has sort of solidified for most big marketers right. basically saying the, the, the customer or the user, us, right? We have to opt in first before Facebook and Google can just use our, our data to right. to monetize the heck out of us. And, and Facebook's been going around that and now they're mad they got called on it. I mean, it's essentially what <laughs> happened here. Um, it's, it, it is essentially what happened here. And, and now they have this big ad campaign because they're trying to basically build all the support for how they are the champion for small businesses and how they are the ones that try to give tools to businesses that are trying to to connect with more customers and to build more awareness. Right. And, you know, the, the fact is, is, yeah, they do offer these sort of tools, but um, it, this is such a big beast of a business that it's sort of evolved to this, to the state where they're so powerful and they control so much that if you, if you look back to just traditional advertising, um, you don't have to, and this is an argument Tim Cook is making, but you don't have to track that much user data to get people compelling right. advertising. Right, right. You just don't. Yeah, um, it, it's interesting, like, okay, like, I would look at this as, I, I, I want I want people to be able to advertise to people. I mean, I for most of my career, I've been in radio, and, you know, we even have advertisers on this podcast, right? So I, I want my listeners to listen to those advertisers. It's a way to support me. Right. If it's if those right. ads are effective, that advertiser is going to continue to advertise on this platform and this platform is going to continue to exist. OK, but it's also very clear that that's the relationship. Right. When people listen, you can skip forward if you want. I'm asking you to listen to it, but you don't have to. I'm not forcing you to listen to that ad. You can push the little button to go forward if you want. Right. There's no forcing, but there is also a very clear, just the same way with radio, when it's time for a commercial break, everyone knows it's time for a commercial break. So a lot of people get up and go pee, they get out of their car at that point, they go into work at that point, whatever. Um, so, so, so well, Leland, you actually bring up a good point, too, about choice here, because you also, as the publisher, you're able to sort to choose who your partnerships are with and to choose who's going to advertise on your program, right? Right, right, yeah, and so, I'm very selective you can't about quite, that, yeah. And, and, and as you should be, right? And that's why your audience can trust that when they hear an advertisement on your podcast or on your show, that it's probably a, a reputable and good product or service that, right. that is being mentioned. You can't necessarily control that on these social platforms. Um, you, you just can't. You know, you, your phone, your, your device is just a powerful thing that leverages natural language processing and your smart speakers too, right? <laughs> they hear conversations taking place, private conversations sometimes between a husband and a wife. And then all of a sudden you pull up Instagram and you see something on there about diapers, right? You know, or, or something on there about a very private one-on-one -on -one conversation you had. And the only, the only third party that happened to be in the room was your, you know, your Google smart speaker or your phone. Um, you know, and, and, and so you'll be browsing on social media, looking at, you know, various posts, but then all of a sudden you see this advertisement come through um, that just tapped into the fact that it had some, some data on you. Right. Um, Let, let's talk about that for a minute too, because I want to, I don't know if we can settle this once and for all, but I think pretty much everybody listening wonders if their phone is listening to them and then turning that information over to third parties, because I've had so many people contact me and say, my wife and I were having this conversation about this thing. We opened up Facebook. There was an ad. We had never Googled it. We'd never searched it. It was just a conversation we were having. I've had it happen to me. 
um, you know, I'll mention something and then, you know, within a couple of hours, there'll be an ad on some site that I'm looking at that is that, and I will not have ever mentioned that before, only around my phone. I, is it, is there a listening component to our smart devices that is then reporting that to parties or, you know, using that to then direct that advertising to us? So, you know, w without trying to sound like a total conspiracy theorist here, the answer, the, the, the easy answer, the answer is, is yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the easy answer is absolutely. And so a lot of times what they'll say, and when I say they, I mean the big tech beasts, right? They'll say, oh, we're, we're just doing that for, for testing purposes. We're just doing that for quality <laughs> assurance purposes. Right. Okay. Well, what are you recording and what are you not recording? And can I have a, a choice or can I have some sort of say in whether or not you're going to listen to what I'm talking about when I'm on the, in the bathroom right. Or, or, right. or wherever, right? right. <laughs> um, but, you know, and, and, and Leland, this happened to me over the weekend. My wife and I were doing some work around the house and go figure, and this was Amazon actually, right. pointing the finger at Amazon right now, but um, a, a, a very specific product that we were talking about uh, going to Home Depot to look at. It happened to, to show up on my wife's Amazon app as soon as she opened it. <laughs> Explain that. Right. She, like she, she she wasn't looking for gate hardware for a face right. on her phone. Right. She you know she was on Instagram, um, you know, looking at you know Kardashian stuff. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> so it's just yeah, the, our devices are listening to us and they're putting, you know, our they're kind of putting together context to figure out when to when to send certain types of messages to us right and they're going to hit us with advertising when they think we are most likely to make a purchase decision and then that's you know that's why advertising online works so well you know do because you, it is so in you, the moment do you remember uh the movie minority report absolutely and when tom cruise is walking through the mall and he has that other guy's eyes and that's right. It scans his eyes and it's like, hello, Mr. Yagamichi. Uh, guilty <laughs> before you're guilty, right? Yeah. Are, are you, how are you enjoying those T-shirts? You know, and <laughs> I think about that, too. My wife and I, you, you were talking about home improvement projects. We just put a fireplace in. We actually ordered our mantle from Amazon. I freaking love Amazon. I, I can't get anything from Amazon. But what's funny is I get emails now constantly from Amazon with all the different products that I've purchased from them that are like, hey, how's that mantle working out for you? Hey, how's that such and such? Now, I get that because I purchased it from them. We have a relationship. I'm an Amazon Prime member. There's an existing relationship there. I expect to get communication from Amazon. But we're kind of living in that minority report world right now, right? Because if anybody's ever seen The Social Dilemma, um, yep. it is essentially it, the precogs are social media. Because they have so much information on our every intimate thought. They know when you have perused your ex-girlfriend or boyfriend's pictures, even if you didn't click like. They know this stuff about us. And they've been able to build a profile. And, um, you know, oh, Bob is looking at his college girlfriend's pictures. And he's been lingering on a couple. Maybe we should, uh, maybe he's tired of his marriage. Maybe we should offer up a divorce lawyer ad. Or maybe we should offer up a new dating app or something. I mean, this is the world we're living in now. That's 100% it, man. And, and I think this, describing the uh, them as precogs is perfect. I mean, and, and, I, and, and I would say, you know, if we can assign homework, if that were ever a thing, you know, I would definitely say that, you know, your entire audience should definitely spend some time on Netflix watching The Social Dilemma. Yeah, because it is yeah it's a, really powerful. A powerful story. Yeah, and, it, and it, it describes a very complex reality, which is kind of the way these social platforms work. It describes a fairly complex system in a really easy to digest and understand way. Right. You know, even, you know, even, even Grandpa and Uncle Donnie can understand, 
the social dilemma and really what it means. Right. And so kind of kind of realizing that they are able to predict what decisions we're about to make before we make them. You know, right now we're seeing Apple try and kind of stop Facebook from being so in our business. And right. so what well, and kind of going back to the to earlier in our conversation, you know, it's not it's not so much of a problem when this is happening in the private world, when right. companies are doing this until they start to make decisions that impact the narrative of a nation, right? And silencing <laughs> free speech. Right. But then also when those powers, those those ninja skills are all of a sudden then either transferred or taken by a governmental power. Correct. Then you've got a real problem, right? And so an example of what we've seen is in Myanmar, you know, in Myanmar you saw the government use Facebook messaging, basically messaging and advertising and all the data that comes with it to literally influence a public acceptance for a genocide against uh, the Rohingyas, which is a religious minority in that country. Right. So when you see how a public entity can weaponize a private tool um, against their people, it's it's devastating. So, you know, I think Tim Cook's making a, a stand here. He's saying, guys, you know what? Evolution has become a thing here. And the way we collect user data is just pretty intense. I think we can all agree that we should probably tamp it down just a little bit. Yeah. Um, a couple of things I, I was thinking about what you're saying. First of all, these organizations are now more powerful than the president of the United States. So we know this because they banned at the time he was still the president from yeah. the platform. And he's also we've had a long tradition in this country of former presidents having a certain amount of influence over political parties and the agenda of those political parties and so on and so forth. And they're crushing the ability of the former president to do that, like it or not. That's the reality of the situation. And I saw a quote on social media today, ironically, social media, and, <laughs> and, and it said, hey, you're either for if you're for free speech, if you claim to be for free speech, then you're for all of it or you're for none of it. And that was something our founding fathers understood greatly. Now, we're not talking about threats of violence. We're not talking about organizing violence. And we're not talking about yelling fire in a theater. Clearly, there are certain limits. But in terms of expressing viewpoints, you have to be for all of it or none of it. Because viewpoints that are even radical viewpoints, even crazy viewpoints. Personally, I've always said I would rather know where the idiots are. Like, here's the thing about political correctness I've never understood, right? Like, when we silence people who say things because we imagine that a certain group of people might be offended by what they say, then learning about those other groups and tolerance and connectivity between groups ceases. Because if I don't, if I can't say something that potentially offends you, you don't have the opportunity to educate me on why, right? So you get a group of people sitting around and nobody can express themselves and no one really knows why. I don't know why I can't say that word. I don't know why it offends somebody. There's, there's an education process that takes place. I'm a guy who's always put my foot in my mouth 20 times a day. I <laughs> learn not to put my foot in my mouth by putting my foot in my mouth, right? Like I, I will sometimes say something and go, whoops, I shouldn't have said that. There's 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 a there's a part of society where we connect with each other that allows us to grow over time by making those connections, understand, oh, I shouldn't say that in front of that person. It offends them. Here's why. There's their culture. Now I understand their culture and so on and so forth. We're actually crushing that ability to learn more about each other and we're driving radical views underground, which makes them more radical and even potentially violent. Absolutely. Pressure cooker, right? I yeah. think Tim, Tim Cook, actually, and this is a quote that uh, he basically said this in a speech recently in respect of, you know, how we, sh how we should be addressing data concerns. But he basically said the path of least resistance is rarely the path of wisdom. 
And so ah, kind of to your point, really right? Kind of to your point, uh, and like you, I, 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 I know the flavor of my, of my soul, right? Like I, I put my foot in my mouth all the time. Um, I'm really good at that, unfortunately, but I learn from it every time. Right. And so if we can't have healthy, productive, respectful conversations with people that we disagree with, right. I mean, how are, how are we really going to learn um, about each other and, and come to an understanding that does promote you know, happiness and and prosperity for everyone, you know, Um, to to think that we can't engage in meaningful conversations, conversations that start with maybe something a little, I don't want to say inflammatory, but just something that's kind of, you know, every song has a hook, right? Right. but, But a conversation that starts with a hook that leads to an actual dialogue where two people are honestly exchanging ideas and honestly working to understand the viewpoint of the other and then you know what? It's okay to disagree. Yeah. It's okay to disagree. And a lot of what we see in social media is that it's not really okay to disagree because you can't really have a two-sided conversation. Yeah. Um, you, you see this kind of like really this this, this um, institutional push towards sort of conformity. Yeah. You know, and I and I and I think that's a problem for us. The United States is a little bit rock and roll. We we don't conform. Um, we, we, we celebrate diversity, we celebrate differences and we celebrate the fact that we can live together with our differences and, you know, shake hands and have a beer at the end of the day. Um, so, you know, ultimately we're going to see probably Facebook and Apple end up shaking hands and drinking a beer together, um, at the end of the day, because they're all big tech, right? Right. Big tech (laughs) is big tech. And, you know, they all have their own, um, strengths in the market and, Ultimately, when it comes to regulatory uh, issues and, you know, kind of leveraging each other to fight antitrust lawsuits from the DOJ, uh, th- these guys are not, they're not working towards the best interest of the people that they say they are working in the right. interest of. Right. They're, they're working in their own self-interest, yeah. you know? Apple is working to edge Facebook out of some some markets that it wants to compete more heavily in. You know, you've got iMessage versus WhatsApp. Basically, it's a battle of app versus app. You know, right. Apple wants to wants to say, "Hey, we're going to carry the flag of privacy concerns um, with 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 great intentions." When you know, in their strategy room, they're talking about how can we push Facebook out, right. and how can we kind of <laughs> right. stifle their growth here and <laughs> right. and get more users on our on our products. So you know, it's like you have to really kind of understand that the motivations of these companies that we all benefit from on a daily basis. I mean, we. Well, we all use social media. It's yeah. got almost 3 billion users on it. Yeah. Um, you know, we, we just have to know that we are the product and it's not all good, right? It's not like what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. What happens online is online. Yeah, yeah. I, I work in the firearms training industry and um, a lot of the instructors that I work with will say to their students, they're like, don't ever post anything on social media. Like, let's shoot them all and let God sort them out. doesn't matter whether you mean it. <laughs> um, a prosecutor is going to get a hold of that if you're ever in a self-defense incident. They're going to use that against you, you know. And right. and and the point being, what's online stays online forever. So it, it always it never ceases to amaze me how unfiltered people can be on the internet. And then when you meet them in person, they're like nothing like what they said. But it's like what they said is now attached to their reputation forever. All I know, Adam, is that I am super glad that. I, that that social media and YouTube were not around when I was a kid because I oh, here, <laughs> oh my here. god we, we dodged like, a bullet right there dude <laughs> can you imagine I mean like we had my, we we had MySpace for a hot second before right. 
right. know, crash and burn. And like the Brad Paisley song, right? I'm so much cooler online. <laughs> yeah. like, that, that was MySpace like in its last years, you know? Right. <laughs> I don't know. Is it still Thank out goodness. there? <laughs> Is it even still uh, out there? Well, you I'm know, Justin it. Timberlake bought it and turned it into like a music platform. And I, I'm not sure how successful or, or unsuccessful it might be. Yeah. But, you know, I... I you never hear about Tom anymore. What's it's Tom there. <laughs> it's there now. You it know? is a music space. I just pulled it up. It's and a music figure, Justin yeah. Timberlake is a part of that. That's hilarious. What's funny is yeah. it's, it, despite him buying it, there's, it's still clearly not a household name because nobody knows it exists. <laughs> so. it's, Gen Z's like, uh, you mean TikTok? What are you talking about? Yeah. Space? All right, head to head. <laughs> who's more powerful, Apple or Facebook? Apple is more powerful because they control the platform. They can literally turn Facebook off in the app store. Which we saw with Parler. Exactly. We saw that with Parler. And uh, frankly, we, we saw that with that with Fortnite. That, remember that big game yes. Fortnite? Yes, yes. I mean, they got kicked off the app store. So, yeah, if the guys with the keys to the city, those are the guys that you got to get cool with. You know, right. talk to the bouncer. Make the bouncer your friend. <laughs> right, right. And it's um, going to be a good night, you know? Yeah, yeah. Slide a little 20 to the host if you exactly. want a good table. <laughs> um, exactly. Yeah. Um. So what can we, the peons, the people, really do about this? Because there's like this big fight taking place, which I appreciate. I, look, I, whether it's for other reasons or not, I appreciate the fact that Apple is fighting for my privacy at the moment. It's why I, I'm almost exclusively Apple products. I, I have a Microsoft product for editing and recording this podcast because Ooh. Apple hasn't really caught up in terms of doing audio editing. I've been an audio engineer all my life, and so I know where to get the best software for that stuff. Um, if Apple would catch up, I would take this Dell that I have here and out in the trash and burn it, and I would do like a office space scene, you know, with the with the music <laughs> playing in the background, just destroying it because it, it it's I'll, clunky and ridiculous. I'll bring the Louisville but, Slugger for you. Yeah, man. that's what we'll need. But but the point is, um, you know, the point is, I appreciate Apple, um, you know, sticking up for my privacy, even if it's not for the best of purposes. Um, at the end of the day. Facebook is Facebook. Twitter is Twitter. I, I don't see, though. I, I Here's the problem. We have the relationship between us and social media has become like an abusive uh, romantic relationship where one side has all the power and the other side is codependent. We can rail and, and yell and throw things up against the wall all we want to, but we're going to keep coming back because we need it. Can you imagine a political campaign being successful without Facebook and Twitter in today's age? It's not going to happen. So even the yeah. politicians can't really do anything about it because Twitter's already shown that if they don't like you, they'll cut you off. Facebook, too. So what are you going to do? You know, as, as a consumer, what are we going to do? Man, it's, it is so frustrating because there are these feelings of powerlessness. You know, it's like, man, it's me versus this literally like this beast this actual kraken you know yeah, me versus right. this, mythical, this mythical creature and so you know apart from being super vocal with our own local uh legislators you know talking to our representatives um apart from that we have to make choices as a consumer and so we can choose where we spend our time and we can choose to go to other platforms. Yeah. There are other platforms that have different business models. And, you know, obviously these are businesses, right? So they have to make money. Facebook's making money on us without us knowing that we're the products. But there are, MeWe is another, is an example of a kind of like a Facebook. It's a social media platform that saw a ton of growth during the election. And instead of monetizing users as, you know, for as bait for advertisements, they'll charge you kind of a, a premium 
monthly uh, subscription fee for, for being active on their platform. Right. It's like Facebook with no ads, right? So you, you pay them a little bit each month and, and that's kind of how they survive and, and improve their platform. So being, first of all, just being mindful of the fact that we do have choices and it's not just Facebook, it's not just Twitter, thank goodness. Right. Uh, it's also not just Google for search. You know, there is DuckDuckGo is a, is a yep. search engine that doesn't track you. But also if you're just, also if you're Quant, a hardcore Q-W-A-N-T, Quant is another one that doesn't Quant. track you. Yep. Mm-hmm. And if, if you're looking for a little bit less of a burn from a, from a search experience, if you're always on Google, switch over to, to Bing, give Bing a chance and you will be surprised just Bing versus Google on how different the search yeah. results are for the same search term. Yeah. You know, search, search Google antitrust in, in Google search engine, but then put Google antitrust in Bing. <laughs> right. <laughs> totally different. Yeah. Stuff, they, right? they claim that they're neutral in terms of search, but all you got to do is compare uh, the search engines. If you go to uh, Google and search things like um, vitamin, you know, certain things that are anti the MSM, mainstream media um, mm-hmm. agenda on COVID, you won't get anything. But if you go to DuckDuckGo and search it, you'll get stuff. You know, you'll get information oh, exactly. that you wouldn't get on Google because they're definitely censoring that stuff. Now, the thing is, is just be mindful of when you're on a, a search engine like DuckDuckGo, sometimes you're going to come across websites that will literally block you from the site or from the content on that site unless you're willing to pay them. You know, right. their, If it's a new site, their subscription fee. Right. Because – yeah, they they do try to monetize you, right? Or these sites do at least. Right. So they gotta um, have a way. You know, the money. search experience yeah. is different. Yeah, they gotta have a way to make money. So, but just knowing that we have a choice. Yeah. And and really just make them hurt, right? Yeah. As they see users start to adopt these other options with other business models, other ways of making money off of their users, then they kind of have to conform to what the market's demanding, don't they? Right. Yeah. Absolutely. A couple of things that were kind of interesting. Um, you know, Facebook is upset at Apple over this whole thing, and they've said that it's going to hurt their bottom line. And I, I just think it's worth reading this quote from Cook um, because he said, quote, if a business is built on misleading users on data exploitation, then it does not deserve our praise. It deserves reform. That's, That's strong right. words that he put at Facebook. He said that at a, at a recent conference in Brussels, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Uh, and, and, and he's so right on. Like, th- And this is a business model that I think really – bipartisan actors in our government have been sort of pointing at saying this is a problem right there hasn't been a great kind of substitute for it because you know you introduce a substitute and then all of a sudden it gets knocked down in the app store and in google play right so there, there, there's there's like this um there's this bipartisan push for you know better better user privacy um better better moderation of content and we do have other options, but big tech's making it really hard for us to actually go and test out those other options. Yeah, you know, we have to go to our to our URL to our search engine on a on a desktop device to go and check out Gab, yeah. to to right. check out what's going on with Parler. Um, the fact that big tech is colluding to sort of stop this this um, I would say more innovative approach towards monetization of of users in a social uh, platform is probably something that we have to look to probably our legislators for, for some sort of legal relief. I don't think that we're going to be able yeah. to, you know, I mean, you, but it, it's hard though. You get these, sometimes you get activist judges that are, are already, you know, being financed by big tech and they're not going to rule um, negatively towards That's terrifying. Or, or Facebook. <laughs> it is terrifying. It's, it, uh, is, what was the term? Is it crony capitalism? Yeah. You kind crony of have capitalism. Yeah. Some, yeah. And, and actually, you know, I went to, as an undergrad, I went to school with this guy, uh, he's the founder of a really cool shirt company, and um, he, he started working with the Koch family after founding his successful uh, 
uh, men's fashion business and trying to basically wage the good war against crony capitalism and mm. kind of bring things back to what they were supposed to be um, to begin with, which yeah. is really just businesses that preserve, that preserve and, and forward the, the beautiful things that our constitution gives us. Well, and I think we're seeing the ultimate results of that. And I, I actually don't like to attach the word capitalism to it. I like to call it cronyism because mm -hmm. it's not really capitalism. Capitalism is you and I agree to a free exchange of uh, money or something of value in return for something that is a service or a product of value. That's capitalism. And it's, it's free and it's open and it's largely free of government regulation with the exception of making sure that I'm not lying to you during that transaction. Um, cronyism, well but, but cronyism is in fact a, a huge problem and we're now seeing the fruits of it because what you're going to get next, and I believe this is happening right before our eyes, is the merger of big tech big business, and big government. I think that three combination is going to be a cronyism, oligarchy-type setup. And I think I think we're only a few years away from not recognizing our not only our economic system, but our country as a whole, because we now have a... a it, 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 people look at this and they're, they cr scratch their heads. They're like, how can a small group of people on Twitter, which is like less than 2% of the population, force people companies out of business force companies to change who they will do business with that's happening right now firearms industry in particular Biz banks stopping to do business with firearms industry stopping to do business with conservative companies etc cetera, etc cetera. that's happening what you have now is this sort of ultra fascism that is being is the product of the merger of big tech big government um you know, and big business. And it's a terrifying thing. And I really don't know if there's a way to stop it. I mean, I hate to not be optimistic, but I don't know how to stop it. It, it is terrible. It is terrifying. You know, my, my brother and I, we actually, uh, we founded a, a weapons related business. We sold modified, uh, magazines, AR magazines, um, to basically consumers where states had capacity restrictions. So we would permanently modify the mags with, the, we'd have a gunsmith do the work, but right. Uh, I tell you what, trying to advertise that on yeah, good luck Google, Facebook, yeah, it just it, you you better have a darn good email list and be really good at email marketing. Yeah, um, but then also have marketers on your team that know to go to the 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 outlets, the the websites that naturally attract your type of consumer. Right. Um, and, and then you know buy banner ads. Uh, on those sites and try to create pro uh, partnerships and things of that nature. Yeah. The dynamic to the, the way you have to advertise some of these constitutionally protected business concepts, the way you have to advertise them now is you have to be really creative. Yeah. Now you cannot do, <clears throat> you cannot do what most every other business can do uh, from an advertising perspective. It, it makes things harder. It's not good for, for small business. And like you said, you have a small group of people making the decisions about you know, who, who wins and who loses and who's going to have a really difficult, uh, you know, climb up the mountain. Yeah. It, it's really not fair. Uh, it's, it's really not fair. Uh, you know, on, on top of that too, look at the, the leadership of these companies. If you just look at where they put their dollars from a political donations perspective, there's no question that they make their decisions with a lot of political bias, right? Twitter, Facebook, Amazon, Google, right? It, it's very clear and it's documented, right? So when Twitter says, hey, we recognize an up-and-coming competing business concept, the first most viable concept to take away our users, being Parler, then all of a sudden you have them colluding with their friends at these other companies that they 
go to happy hour with that these other companies that they go to benefits with and you know charity events and things of that nature yeah they're just playing the phone game right and i'm yeah. sure it's all through text for the most part but they're they're playing the phone game and they're saying hey blacklist these guys blackball those guys right um we don't like them yeah yeah it's well, crazy well we, we're not going to find a solution today but i do think finding a solution or searching for a solution begins with a an honest discussion that attempts to identify the problem. I think we've at least done that today, <laughs> you know. So, so we get that. <laughs> but we far. have to be able to have that, right? Right. We, we have, have to be able to have, to have that. it. Yeah. But so, so why are so many people so vocal about saying you can't even have the conversation? Right. Right. The algorithms are dictating really who's who's speaking up and who's speaking down. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how many downloads this particular episode gets because we're uh, we weren't super critical of Apple, but you know, Apple is one of my platforms. You know, you can also get me on iHeartRadio as well as Google Play. Um, but Apple Podcasts is one of my platforms. I've never This thing needs to go viral. You need to yeah. be like Ryan Coffey, this nine year old YouTuber. <laughs> this guy made thirty million dollars on YouTube that last year. He's nine years old. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> That's awesome. This needs to go viral so yep. you can be making making that internet money. Yeah, there you go. There you go. Hey listen, Adam, <laughs> it's always good to have you on the podcast. Adam Rosieri. Um, and of course, chief marketing officer, uh, agency partner interactive, uh, out of the great state of Texas, sir. So yeah, yeah you always know if somebody's from Texas, cause in five minutes, they're going to tell you. So <laughs> if they're originally from there, my sister is, uh, is in Hemp Hill. Yeah. I love Texas. Texas is a great state. There's a lot of nothing out there. <laughs> it's a boring state there, to there drive is. across, but it's a great state and great people. It's crazy, you know. My wife's and then is her family's from Maine. You drive through four states in like an hour and a half. Right. <laughs> right. I, I drove from Dallas to LA. I drove from Dallas to Atlanta. Man, you're in Texas for like eight hours. Yeah, yeah. I used to. <laughs> I grew up in Arizona. I'm from Kentucky, and when I was a kid, we would drive back and forth between the two all the time. And uh, I remember, you know, my dad used to ever, always joke, "Sun is riz and sun is set, and we ain't crossed Texas yet." Um, you would, <laughs> we, we'd come in, we'd go the full distance, like come in at El Paso and go all the way across to Texarkana, you know. And oh yeah, that was that was a eighteen hour drive. That was half the so, freaking trip. Was Texas. You, you know about that one turn then? That one turn in El Paso where it's like you turn left, you're going to Mexico. Right. There's no you turn. Yeah, right. Off. <laughs> uh, one of the most surreal things. Uh, you'll ever see is driving through El Paso at night because the the interstate there goes literally on a cliff above the border, above the Rio Grande. And yep. on one side is American infrastructure, bright lights, organized grid, streets, etc. On the other side are these little green street lights haphazardly placed amongst, you know, it, it's it's sad. Um, and it's no it's no wonder people were trying to get out of there. Um, but it's it's one of the the, the best places to see, see the stark distance, stark difference between what law and order and freedom bring versus government corruption and um, you know uh, high crime, et cetera. Right there, Absolutely. split by the interstate, literally, and uh, it's fascinating. It makes my heart go out to the people, and why I am for uh, some form of immigration reform that says, hey, if you want to come up here, contribute to our society. Uh, be loyal to the United States, be an American, but come up here and change your life. I'm all for it. It's just got to be done the right way because I want I Absolutely. want people to experience this freedom. So, um, well, you know, data supports the fact that the, um, immigrants are incredibly important to our country. Yep. Uh, by, by statistics, first generation American, first generation immigrants who came here the right way, more likely to be entrepreneurs. A lot of them become business owners. 
uh, just incredible people. Statistically, they're great for the economy. Right. You know, but there's got to be a, an open path for that to, yeah. to work out, you know? Yeah. And there's got to um, be a, there's got to be a fair line. You can't have people cutting in line and, and, you know, in that sense, but you're absolutely right. I don't subscribe as a libertarian thinking person. I do not subscribe to the idea. I think it's completely false that, uh, when an immigrant comes here and has a job, they've taken one from an American. That just means there's an American too lazy to do it. Um, right. You know, in, in the at the end of the day, <clears throat> um, people coming here who are contributing, um, all that's doing is adding. Because if you truly believe in capitalism, if you truly believe in free enterprise, then you know there's no limit to it, right? There's no Absolutely. there's no size limit. There's no finite pie. This idea that if I earn a dollar, I'm taking one from you is bullcrap. Um, you know, but that's a whole other conversation. Especially... <laughs> Well, yeah, you're right, but especially when you know you have these these hardworking new Americans who are creating jobs. Yeah, right? yeah. I mean, if, I mean, if, man, if somebody jobs. comes here from China or comes here from uh, uh, from uh, I don't know Vietnam or comes here from Mexico or wherever and starts a business, they just created yeah. jobs. Hey, hey, guess where Zoom came from, right? Yeah. Zoom came from a a Chinese immigrant who used to work at I think Cisco. He he actually created Zoom, pitched the concept to his to his bosses at Cisco. They didn't want to buy it, so he just he made it himself. He made it himself. <laughs> and what about what about the timing of that? Right, it was kind of a right? kind of a big Trillion deal, and then all of a sudden it's like bam. <laughs> <laughs> Boom. So, yeah. Trillion dollars. God bless it. I love it. Hey, listen, man, it's good talking to you, Adam. Thanks for your time, buddy. We'll talk soon, okay? Pleasure, man. Thanks All right, brother. Time. All right. Adam Rizieri, Chief Marketing Officer, Agency Partner Interactive. Super cool guy. Fun conversation. Uh, look, we didn't get to a solution, and you know how much. Those of you that have listened to me for a long time know how much I hate that. I want a solution. I don't just want to complain. I want a solution. Let's fix it. But this is a bigger problem than that. Um, I, I remain optimistic about our future. I just refuse to um, not believe that we can't control our destiny. That being said, in order to solve a problem, you first have to fully identify it. And I think we're still in the stages right now of that identification process of what exactly is this problem. We know it's there. It's an elephant in the room. We know it exists. But what do we do to fix it? And that's kind of... Well, first of all, we have to identify what the scope of the problem is, what its fallout is, and then figure out how we can bring about a solution to it. And we may not have a perfect solution. You know, at my company, we have a philosophy. It's 80-20, right? If we're 80% right, we'll fix the other 20%, but let's just do it. Let's let's make the action. Let's take the step forward. Let's move forward. And it's not going to be 100% right right out of the gate, but we'll fix it. Um you know, and so that's kind of how I like to look at this stuff. Hey, listen, thank you for listening to the podcast. I do ask you, please listen to the ads. Uh, we're about to add some more probably, and I'm excited about that. I'm not going to over inundate you with ads. I promise. I'm limiting the number of sponsors to this program to four. Four. That is it. Um, because one, I want to respect your time. And two, I want to respect the businesses. Uh, and I and I just don't want it to be. As, I, I want to keep three. I want to keep this podcast super organic. And so that's how we're doing it. And I hope that you will appreciate that, respect that, and uh, patronize those businesses that we bring on board because it's what will keep us doing what we're doing. And I truly appreciate all the support that you guys have given me, the thousands of downloads we're getting every week. It's heartening and it fires me up and motivates me to keep going. So big thanks. And and you'll know this, uh, I, I will never have a business on this program that I don't believe in. Um, and so that's the bottom line. So I do want to thank, with that being said, our sponsor, 
uh, Louisville cabinets and countertops. And I really do believe in them because they have done work for us. They did our kitchen and our master bath. And I'm pretty confident that the reason our house sold in a day when we moved to Colorado was because of the beauty and the craftsmanship and the work that they had done to make our kitchen absolutely amazing and our master bath as well. And I think that's what helped us sell the house in a day. But we also got to enjoy it for several years before we left because it was beautiful and it changed everything when they came in. So if you're looking for a turnkey kitchen remodel, these are your folks. Kelly, Michelle, George, they're all standing by at the showroom to walk you through some of the work that they've done before and then help you design the perfect kitchen for your home. Okay, But if you're also a, a do-it-yourselfer or a contractor, they've got high-quality cabinets in stock that are affordably priced that you can take with you. So that's pretty awesome, too. Call them at 502-930-3304 or just stop by the showroom at 6200 Hit Lane or go to LouisvilleCabinetsAndCountertops.com. If you're in southern Indiana, Louisville, or Odom County, these are your guys. Big thanks to JP Web Design, also D- Dynamics Audio Productions, and my co-executive producer and, ca- and co-host Cameron Mills, who is going to be back with us soon, I promise you. Uh, and I appreciate most of all, all of you for listening to the podcast. Download us on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or iHeartRadio. Just search The Disruption Zone. You can find us on Instagram at Greatly Londo and at The Disruption Zone. And on Twitter, it's at Leland Show and at Zone Disruption. Thank you for listening to The Disruption Zone. <laughs> <laughs>